Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Today, we're going to talk about how to get beta users for a new product. Rick's been working on some prototypes and new ideas, and so it's time for him to get those ideas in the hands of actual users. And so we're going to talk about how he can find people to try it out. Uh, so before we do that, let's give some updates on our businesses. So hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. And hi, I'm Rick. I'm the founder of Leg Up Ventures, which owns and operates software companies that empower underdogs. So what's up this week, Rick? Well, let's start with this. How much sleep have you had in the last 24 hours? <laughs> I got I got a solid six hours last night, but between sleep, it's I've been staring at a screen for about 20. <laughs> so I guess I've been staring at a screen for almost... 18 hours straight. Nice. So, uh, yeah, what's the update? Well, uh, um, I am. So, so one of my goals as we've talked about on this podcast, this, uh, this quarter is by the end of the year to figure out how, whether or not, um, and how I can finance the development of MVPs without taking, without giving up any equity. And without spending a ton of money on contractors. So I have gotten to a point where I've identified a couple of routes, some no-code routes, some low-code routes to start developing applications. And uh, I this week is the first week I turned my attention to actually building the apps. And I was, a, I was amazed at how quickly... Um, so I'm building three apps. One is Group Currents Community App. The second is a Book Notes app for Sable to be able to talk to me about the books I read. And then uh, the third is a health insurance um, consumer app. And uh, I've already got a V1 of the community app. It's terrible, um, <laughs> but you can go and sign up for it online. I, I posted it on my Twitter uh, nice. handle. And then uh, the health insurance app, the hardest part there is it's so regulated. So I had to, this week I've, I've renewed my health insurance license. I've taken taken 24 hours of continuing education uh, required to do that. <laughs> I've uh, recertified with the federal marketplace, which is through um, CMS. Um, let's see, I have, uh, and then I just uh, secured um, an API relationship to um, handle a huge part of the data flow, which required another um, certification that I just completed. So um, I actually have the base functionality now for the health insurance app, which was one of my goals. Um, I'm just like babbling right now, so feel free to interrupt me. <laughs> well, I, the the whole health insurance thing sounds miserable, but also kind of the reason why I'm excited for you to go into that is like all of the people like me in the world would never do that because of all those hurdles you just talked about, um, which I feel like I'm sure it's not fun for you, but it's like easy for you relative to what it would be for me, I think. Oh, yeah. I, I think that normally what it would take for someone entering the business without experience, it would take at least a month or two if they're really moving fast to get done what I got done in a week. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, but man, it, like it's, it's some, some parts of it are infuriating where you get stuck and you have to work through all this legalese. You have to search the code, the legal code. Um, you got to figure out who the right department, when you start hitting these barriers, it's very easy to just give up and get frustrated but it's also each time I pass one of those, I go, oh, I'm ahead of the competition. I've got a barrier mm -hmm. to entry behind mm -hmm. me. <laughs> it's like each one, yeah. each time I pass through, it adds a barrier to entry. Yeah. This is the same way I think about with Less Annoying CRM. We're bootstrapped and 10 years old. And it's like every year, that's an extra year. It's going to take a, a bootstrapped competitor to catch up. 
Yep. Yep. Love yeah. It. Doing hard, doing hard stuff's part of the strategy, I guess. <laughs> yep. Um, what about you? What's going on with you? Um, so I, I've had a pretty exciting week without actually doing anything. Um, you've been very busy. I've just been like, I had kind of a, a moment of planning that went really well. We're basically, I keep talking about this redesign we're working on and it's just always off in the distance. Cause there's just an unlimited amount of stuff to do before it'll be a hundred percent ready. But one of the big milestones we've been working for, uh, working towards is this, what I call soft launch where new users that sign up will be put on the new version instead of the old version. Once we have that, I, I that's the big milestone for me. Cause like, who cares how long it takes for other people to switch over? Um, so basically we have this big Trello board with all these projects or all these like things we need to do to get to the soft launch. And I just looked at it and I was like, we don't actually need 75% of this stuff. Like it'd be nice to have, uh, it's stuff. It's the type of thing. Like if you're digging through your settings in the CRM, if you set up a Google calendar sync is the, does the flow look like the new design or like the old design, that type of thing. Um, and it's like, if, if a new user signs up, they're probably more like they're going to get a better experience getting almost all new design. And then the Google flow looks weird. Um, so I kind of went through and found a bunch of stuff like that. Where I'm like, we don't actually have to do that before we do the soft launch. And I think we went from the soft launch looking like it was going to be mid December to looking like it might be next week. Just, just by moving these things around. It's amazing. Sometimes you get these things in your head that just have to happen before you launch. And then you realize mm-hmm. if you just rethink everything, you're like, Nope, don't need that. And you cut months off. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. And and I was like super nervous, like letting the team know about this. I was like, they're going to think I'm crazy and that we're moving too fast. And so far, everyone's been pretty much like as long as, uh, yeah, yeah, basically no one's had any objections about it. So I think we're, we're pretty much ready to go here. The, the sooner you get more people on there and feedback starts coming in, the more inspired your team's going to be about fixing yeah. issues. Yep. Yep. And so along those lines, in addition to the, the soft launch is the big thing, but also we decided, uh, Maybe today or tomorrow, we're going to start sending out. We have 18,000 users who uh, we've invited our newsletter, which is 4,000 people to sign up for the new version. Um, We have 18,000 paying users who aren't on the newsletter. So we're starting to email them and say, you can move over too. Uh, And we're, in addition to the redesign, we're building a major feature that a lot of people want, which is Outlook Calendar Sync. And we just sent our first batch of emails inviting people to start using that too. So there's like a lot of stuff uh, that we've been working on for months that finally people are starting to see in in the wild. And it's it's very rewarding after all that work. That's great. I have to ask, uh, when you're sending all these emails, are you referencing your referral program? Well, uh, I've been talking a lot about that. We don't have it in a position yet where like it doesn't even exist in the new design yet. We haven't ported it over. So there is no referral program. (laughs) (laughs) Are you making progress, though? Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about it with various people every day. I think we've got a ton of like based. It started with talking with you and talking with my mastermind group. And then I brought the conversation in house with various people at the company. I think we've got not just a lot of good ideas, but specifically like really easy to implement things that'll kind of 80 20 rule type of thing like i think we can get a lot of benefit very easily and then later on we'll do the harder stuff is there anything crazy that came out of that that we didn't talk about in the episode um i think it's all stuff we talked about but it's just kind of been refined a little bit so i now that i have my thoughts together i think there's three main things we need to do one is do a better job of telling people we have a referral program two is doing a better job of making the incentive we offer actually line up with what people want the third is 
once someone decides they want to refer somebody, like giving them the tools to do it better. Um, and the first, the first one's easy, just plaster it everywhere, put it on the login page, put it in our emails. Like we've been doing a terrible job of that. The second one, I think the big thing we need to start doing is offering swag in addition to credits because the biggest referrers want to be a part of our tribe. And so giving them like a less annoying serum coffee mug, like you said, with morning brew, uh, that's probably going to be more motivational than a $10 credit, even though it's worth less than $10. So yeah, I've got, it's all stuff we talked about in our podcast episode, but it's so much clearer now after talking to you and then spending like the, the last couple of weeks refining that. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm, I'm feeling really good right now. <laughs> cool. Well, maybe some of that uh, referral stuff will apply for our conversation today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, do you want to intro the, the deep dive topic? Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll try to do this in a way that's useful. Um, so specifically with my health insurance app, um, I actually didn't expect to be where I am today. I got a, I'm ahead of schedule. I now have everything I need to actually launch a beta product. So um, I was anticipating having this be more of a hypothetical conversation, mm-hmm. um, but I will actually have, I can guarantee a product in the next couple of weeks that people can sign up for uh, beta users. So uh, what I want to get out of this conversation is I want to brainstorm some ways to gain beta users um, for this product. And I don't just want anyone to, you know, on the internet to sign up because this is a health insurance thing. They need to be in Utah because that's where I'm licensed. Um, and they need to be consumers of individual health insurance. So it's a, it's a very narrow focus. Um, and so anyway, um, I think I, it's not like I can just go post this on Google ads or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, go invite all my best friends because most of my best friends don't live in Utah. So, um, it's, it's, it's difficult. So, um, I want to brainstorm from way, some ways to identify, invite and, rec- and, um, recruit them and recruit would mean them actually agreeing to the beta program. And then the second is uh, once they've agreed to participate in the beta program, keeping them active and engaged, um, whether that's with incentives or with, you know, just uh, guilt, um, yeah. you know, guilt plays. Uh, that's that's what I want to talk about. Um, I could add some context. I guess any clarifying questions about what I want to get out of this? Yeah, well, uh it sounds, I mean, getting a beta user, a beta tester is probably not like radically different from getting a customer, but the goals are a little different. Like th- the goal is to learn instead of to make money. And the type of person you're looking for is someone on the very, very cutting edge of like, you know, the adoption curve. But but like a lot of concepts, th- this is going to be kind of a specific type of marketing we're talking about here, I guess. Exactly. And I envision these people, I want these people to be evangelists of the community. I want them to care about the problem I'm solving as much as I do. And I, I think, um, and, and free, they'll get free access. I haven't just, I don't know exactly what the value of that is yet, but hopefully they'll help me figure it out. But I think that the right beta user for this particular product, which I'll, I'll go into, um, mm-hmm. is, is someone who cares deeply about the problem that exists today, that the, okay. that the app promises to solve eventually. Cool. So let's let's dive into like we, we can talk generally about how to get beta users, but I think it's helpful to know what product we're actually trying to get. You said earlier there's three things you're doing. One is a thing with Sable, your wife. One is a, a group current thing, but that's not what we're talking about here. You have a specific health care 
health insurance type of product. Can you talk about what that is? Yeah. So on the last episode, I was a little bit hesitant to talk about it because it is in the same realm of health insurance as my previous company, PeopleKeep. I do have a a restriction on where I can play. Uh, and I was, I was kind of put on the spot in the podcast and I didn't feel comfortable talking about it without thinking about it more. So having thought about it, there is no issue. This is non-competitive, uh, not even close. Um, and I feel comfortable talking about it. Um, so I can, I, I'll kind of give you the general premise and maybe I can work from yeah. the problem that I'm focused on and then work down to the, how I, I think the MVP will attempt to solve that. Does that work? Yep. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, there's a huge problem out there, uh, in that people who buy individual health insurance largely don't get any service in exchange for the commission that they get. Uh, they get taken out of their premium. So every time you pay a a health insurance premium, whether it's a group policy through your employer or an individual policy, or even a Medicare policy, uh, you you have part of your premium is dedicated towards paying a producer, and whether you go through and a producer is a bro- insurance broker or agent, and whether you go through uh, an agent or not, that pre- that premium includes this commission. So so if you go on healthcare.gov and buy health insurance, who's getting that that commission? Either uh, the insurance company if there's no broker, or the insurance broker if you've selected a broker. You're not getting it back. Yeah. Okay. So it's guaranteed. You're, you're got, if you buy health insurance, you're paying it no matter what. Most, um, so there's two, two ways people typically get private health insurance. One is through work and the second is on their own. Um, and there's a trend right now where more people, more and more people are buying individual health insurance. Less people are buying group health insurance, and this is for a lot of different reasons that I won't go into on the podcast. But, but because there are more consumers now, um, especially millennials who are who expect a lot out of health insurance and online access and that sort of thing, there really isn't a service model out there that meets the demands uh, and provides value for that commission that that is built into the premium. Most health insurance brokers out there, if you go search online for get a quote or get a health insurance quote, if you make a mistake of putting your contact information into one of these sites, you'll get spanned by like 10 people and they and getting off that list is really hard. It's a sales most brokers in the individual market. Um, this is someone who's buying their health insurance on their own, doesn't have an employer, you know, HR person guiding them. They are they are getting sold, and once they get sold, um, there's kind of three steps. There's, you know, you know, hey, buy through me. Um, there's the application, and then there's enrollment. And once they get enrolled and pay their first premium, that broker is gone. Yeah. And, and all the 10 people who are calling them are offering the exact same products with absolutely no additional services on top of that. No, uh, they're right. the same products. And, you know, typically what will happen is one broker will will have more company. There's another problem, though, that some of those brokers may push different products based on how much they make. Mm. Um, so there is some uh, biased differentiation in services, but not in the best interest of the consumer. So, okay. cool. I, so the problem makes sense. So what? What are you going to do about it? So I, 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 the hypothesis I have is if I focus on people with individual health insurance and I focus on the the stage that happens post-enrollment, the underserved stage. Mm-hmm. So the broker's gone after this enrollment. This person is paying this premium and they don't have an HR person to go to when they have questions. They don't have anyone who is their advocate. And if I can focus on you know post-enrollment, 
getting a get, being the consumer's you know basically personal HR person um, through software and through service, then that that individual at the very least uh, might want to make me the broker of their policy, and at the very most maybe pay additional fees for products or services that are upgrade opportunities. Mm-hmm. Is there a business here if if all they're willing to do is make you the broker? Yes. So they're paying the same amount either way, and you're saying you can go with some generic zero value add person or come come to me, I'll add all these all extra service on. Basically, the industry is just getting fat, and you're saying, let's actually bring some competition in here and make people work for it. Let's actually add value. Uh, yeah. You know, to the commissions are, uh, broker commissions are occurring. They aren't, um, you know, you sell the pot. It's not just on sold. You, as yeah. long as every time a premium is paid, a percentage goes to the broker. Okay. And the so, idea is that you're, the idea the insurance company has is that you're going to service that person, renew right. them and keep them with the insurance company. So what services are you going to like, what's your actual product going to be? So, in, for, so for the, the original product is going to be basically, um, you, I don't know if you have health insurance. Who do you have health insurance with? Uh, United. Okay. Through, so you, through, through work. Okay. So do you have like a portal through United where you can go check your deductible? Uh, yes. We use Gusto. So there's like some amount of information on Gusto and some amount through United. And can you see your personal information? I haven't looked. I, I'm okay. sure you, uh, yes, I think so. <laughs> okay. So if you had a, like, if, if you wanted to check your deductible on that, uh, mm-hmm. do you, do, where do you go? Do you go to United Healthcare? Or do you go to Gusto? I, I don't know. I haven't needed to yet. So, okay. so what, what do <laughs> I'm you, not sure. Are you going to go to the doctor? I, I would year? probably expect United is where I go. Okay. Um, what about dentist? Do you go to the dentist? Put you yeah. on the spot. So when you go to the yeah. dentist, do they take your insurance? Yes. Okay. So there's all these different, and is, dent, is your dental insurance through United Healthcare? No. Okay. So what, what you're, what we're finding is that the, the, on the individual market, there isn't a gusto, right? There is mm-hmm. someone out there, there's a consumer out there who has multiple policies, maybe a dental policy, maybe a vision policy, and maybe a United Healthcare policy. Um, and they don't have one place to log in to go see all of their policies, what their deductibles are, um, whether, you know, do a quick check to see what providers are, are being, are covered, those sorts of things. And so vision, uh, phase one is basically exposing basically a, a login where, uh, a individual consumer can come in and add their policies and basically get a one-stop shop for seeing where they are with deductibles, um, what their coverage is, and then having a chat bot. Uh, not a chat, me behind chat, being able to help mm-hmm. them understand mm-hmm. it. So that's what you said. You uh, secured this API partnership relationship thing. That's the API to get all this information from the insurance providers. Correct. Great. So, I mean, right off the bat, we, we were saying, hey, individual, you've got, you already have this insurance for zero cost to you. You can look at it through websites because United's website is like the worst piece of shit website I've, I've had to use in a long, long time. You're saying, if nothing else, I can log into a website that's not terrible. If nothing else. And and have someone available who's knowledgeable and mm-hmm. will help you figure things out. Pretty much unlimited um, with my availability. Uh, yeah. You know, cool. like they don't have right now. I mean, this sounds great. Now, the, the point of this is not to brainstorm your idea here. So I, I think I've at least got the picture. So 
let's move on to how do you, how are you actually going to get beta users? What's for your this? Ne- so, well before we go, like I would yeah, like to yeah. have your initial reaction. I think I mean it sounds like a slam dunk. Like I until this year, this is the first year I've been on group insurance in my whole life. Um, so for the last ten years, I was on individual plans. And yeah, I I would have loved to be able to say I, the way you phrased it earlier, like it's like you have an HR person, but uh, you know you don't. Um, it would have been. Con- I, I've never really had questions to ask, but just being able to log in and like, oh, this you know this website lets me have a password that's more than six characters, and you know all that nonsense that all those antiqu- antiquated tech companies have. Yeah, I would totally have signed up for that. I guess it depends how hard the onboarding is, but. That's the only potential concern. I would Do you remember have. when you were giving me crap about focusing too much on design? Mm-hmm. This is why I knew. Like this is the the idea that's been sitting in the back of my head right now, and I see it purely like as a design a UX onboarding challenge. I don't mean that as much, but like, what what do I have to do to transfer to make you my broker of record or whatever it is? Exactly. Can you do that through your interface? Yeah. So there's basically so I can get pretty much all the information I need from your, if you just enter, enter in the information on your insurance card. So you can do it from there. Yeah. So for okay. like phase one would be you log in, um, you take a picture of your insurance card and then confirm the the numbers in there. Eventually maybe I can automate that, but you put your pop, medical policy ID, your first name, your last name and your uh, date of birth. And then I can go get everything. They don't have to like consent or like any broker with this information can like steal yeah, you have to this consent from someone else, and, and like check a box that I consent to you um, checking. Okay, you know, yeah. but it's like not a go to United Healthcare and consent there type of thing. No, no, and this is just for being able to get information about the policy. Um, the next step would be, hey, would you like me to be your broker of record so I can help you out if you have any issues? And that would be basically an electronic document on the insurance company's letterhead. They usually have agent of record forms, okay. and that they would digitally sign. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I think it sounds like uh, a really, really good idea. <laughs> um, I'm normally a pessimistic person, but I, I don't really see what about this would not like. It's a clear win for the c- customer, and you've got a very clear path to monetize it without even charging anyone money. Se- seems great. So I, I guess the question would be: Is that is what we just talked about getting to this stage where you, like you have some external validation that this may actually be a good idea before you invite beta users? Sorry, can you rephrase? Like, like, should I? I mean, I could have not worried about what you thought and not even sought external evaluation. Am I? Is this an important step? What we just went through is it an important no. step before you get after inviting beta users? I don't think so. Okay, because you know this industry super well. Uh, I, I think like the fact that you worked in this industry for ten plus years. You can trust your intuition more than like some random. Like when I made a CRM, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, anyway, but I think you're probably at a point where if I were you, I'd, I'd be building the product and trying to get beta users and skipping that like idea validation step. Cool. Personally. Cool. Cool. So let's, yeah, maybe we can start with like, what are you planning right now to, to get people to use this? I have no plans. I came into this. Uh, I, I can give you my thoughts, uh, things I've thought about. Um, I know that I need to have a sign up, some sort of a landing page that let, let someone get on a beta list. Um, I think um, a it's going to be critical to have some sort of referral program uh, that allows um, the beta people that I do know to invite other people. So creating some sort of 
referral tracking similar to Morning Brew where I incentivize with swag or an Amazon gift card or just maybe dinner. Um, I don't know. Um, so some sort of referral element. Um, then, you know, so that's like the waiting list sign up. Uh, okay. The, uh, I know it needs to look good and look real and feel, be, you know, be mission, be uh, why driven, uh, purpose driven. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that once they sign up, I'm going to need to have a process of inviting them to, uh, you know, sign up. Um, I know I want, I want to have a formality around the beta program so that people who are invited to participate and accept know what they're signing up for. I want it to be a 12 month program. So calendar year 2020. Um, so why, why is that versus just being like, cause it's going to be a SaaS product presume or not even SaaS, like people won't even pay for it. It'll like, what's the downside to just letting everyone in and I think that, a shot? I think that, uh, this, I think I think iterating towards a valuable uh, use, valuable interface. I think a lot of this has to do with the interface and how easy it is to access data. And mm-hmm. I, I'm going to need some active engaged users to constantly like be willing to go check things out. Yeah, you know, even if it's not providing a ton of value. Okay, so one thing I want to push back on that you've said already the the referral thing. I mean, I think that makes sense as a marketing strategy for the next phase. I don't, based on the other things you're saying about the beta period, that doesn't seem like, uh, like it seems like premature to be thinking about that. Cause even if someone goes out and wants to refer a thousand people to you, you wouldn't even accept them. Um, so it seems to me like maybe there's benefit in building an audience, which I, I would view almost separately from this, you know, go write blog posts and make a name for yourself in this space. But how many beta testers do you actually want? I, yeah, that's the that's the key question. So I want twenty to twenty five passionate young, like young as in sub forty. Uh, uh, Why sub forty? I want them to be technologically savvy. I, I shouldn't make that an age discrimination there. Pardon me. Um, I want technologically Tech savvy. savvy. Yeah, um, individual okay. health insurance consumers in Utah. So what I would say is like personally, you have a big network of people. Uh, you're very good at networking and going out and meeting people and stuff like that. You're going to get 20 to 25 people just through pure personal hustle. No problem. Like you don't need anything scalable about this to get 20 people. Now, the, the reason I go to the referral program, I think I agree with you on the 2025. I think what I'm worrying about is a future problem. I want to get to hundred by the end of next year. So sometime by July, I want to be at hundred. Um, so I, I think a referral program sounds great, but I would like wait back to what I said. Yeah, it's it's what I was saying at the beginning of this. I had all these things I thought I had to do, and then I was like, I, yeah, I have to do all those, but do I have to do them before I launch? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Um, so I would remove referrals entirely until you've got those twenty people. Personally, I think that's a good idea. Okay, that's not um, that's not necessary. That a referral program is not necessary to launch a beta. Yeah. program. And so I think I, I, what I'm realizing is launching the beta program and the product are priority number one, you know, scaling. So yeah, I guess if I broke this down into steps, step one is launch the beta program. Step two is recruit people to, to join the beta program. Um, and if I can't get enough recruits and I start figuring out, you know, how to get more, maybe referral programs necessary for that. Maybe it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Um, so let's talk about the really, like, obviously this is hopefully somewhat applicable to people listening and like, they're not building the exact same app as you and all that, but many people might find themselves in this situation where they're 
they don't need a, a thousand people on an email list. They need 10 or 20 people that'll actually try it out. I think you're good at this, but what, what are, what, what do you think you can do to go out and like find those people? I, I think finding them is not the issue to your point. I think I can find 20, 25, or at least 10 who know another person, right? So that's 20. Mm-hmm. It, I think my major concern is around what to offer them. How do I make sure that I provide them? Because I want them engaged for enough time for me to iterate towards value. And I want mm-hmm. them committed to that. And I'm, I'm willing to give them something in exchange to make that worth their time. I just don't know what that exchange of value looks like. Right. So like a really clumsy version of this is you'd would literally pay them. Yeah. You'd say, I'll give you $100 a month and you have to, or I'm, whatever the... And, uh, yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm, is that okay? I think it is. Although prior to this in our, in the little show notes that we shared, you sent me some links to people talking about how to get beta users and stuff. And what a lot of those articles said is there's all these websites you can go to, I forget what they're called, but like beta list or something like that, where you can basically pay money or not, but get beta testers for your product. And as I was reading those, I was just like, this is a waste of time and potentially money. Yeah. That, and that is not what I'm talking about here. I think mm-hmm. I, I'm talking about people who I know or have a connection with, I trust and right. who are passionate about the problem. But I guess what I'm saying is the more you are compensating them, the less likely it is that they're participating for the right reasons. Um, anyone, if let's say you paid $10,000 a month, hell I'll do it. You know, anyone would do that. But th- at that point, they're just trying to get paid. Uh, I think the compensation should be to thank them. So they don't feel like you're taking advantage of them, but it shouldn't be enough of an incentive that they Are like doing it would do reason. it just for the money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, the, so yeah, I guess, uh, the, the, the money needs to be a unexpected benefit, but not the primary yeah. driver. And one, this is the same thing as the referral topic I was talking about. One way around this is give them something that is valuable to someone who likes what you're doing and completely worthless to someone who doesn't, like branded swag. Mm. Um, that, like someone who loves less annoying CRM would view a T-shirt from us as a, a really valuable gift, but someone who doesn't care about us, you know, whatever. I'm not going to wear that. I like it. Um, by the way, yeah. I, um, I. I don't know if you have time for this, but, or if you have a recommendation of someone who can help me, I need someone to help me figure out the right, uh, I'll, I'll figure out the positioning and name and that sort of thing, but I'm gonna need someone to help me get the right color scheme. And, uh, what do you call it? Uh, I don't know what to exactly call it, but like the, the brand basically. Like I, I talk, I, when people say brand, I think positioning, I think, like, okay, but the less annoying CRM is, is the brand and less annoying CRM says a lot about your company. And then, mm-hmm. you know, how you, you know, what you do in your culture guide is more about your brand. And then there's like these creative the elements package or whatever yeah, yeah. That, that express the brand and, and different ways, different mediums. I don't have that. And I don't have the ability to create it. Yeah. I've never worked with anyone to do that before. Um, I think there, I, I would just go to one of these websites, like I forget all their names, but where you can just put up a job and people will kind of bid on it basically. Yeah. You're saying but, no, you're saying you can't help me. I see how it is. I, I can't. Well, cause I've already, I, I've always done it myself. If you just want a crappy logo, I'm happy to build it, make it for you, but I'm not like great at this. Okay. I'm good enough that I wouldn't hire someone, but I'm not good enough that anyone would hire me. Okay. Got <laughs> it. Yeah. I need something. If I'm, if swag, for example, is going to be a part of the offer, it can't be, uh, it, it, it can't be Rick designed logo swag. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, the, the, the art of product podcast, 
who, by the way, assuming things go according to plan, one of their co-hosts will be a guest next week on this podcast. Um, you can ask him about it. He just went online on, on 99designs or one of those things and had someone design it for like $50. And apparently it's really, really good. And what is, is this the art of product logo or something? Uh, it's for his company, Tuple. Tuple. Okay, cool. I may so just he, ping him then. Yeah. yeah. Let me write that down. Um, but I don't I don't think he, he didn't like hire a designer. He just put up this job in some generic person. Like anyone can do it. And he just took the best one, I guess. Remind me his name. Ben Ornstein. Ben Ornstein. Yeah. Anyway, this when is you, riveting you, radio for people. Yeah. When you <laughs> sent him as a possible guest for the ep- next episode, um, mm-hmm. I looked him up and I saw a picture. He looks like he's really, really tall. He is. He talks about it sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He looks like he's like seven <laughs> feet tall. Yeah. Um, um, right. But anyway, okay. So so back to getting beta users. Like, I think giving them some kind of swag. And then also, like, one thing they'll get that not everyone will get forever is you could, I think you could offer them really concierge advice in a way that like one day people will go on and do a live chat and be like, Hey, you know, what does deductible mean? And you'll point them at a help article. But I'm talking about if you do the beta program, like I will sit down with you and do a full audit of not just your health insurance, but your whole insurance situation. I'll make sure that your deductibles match, like all the stuff you're great at. I think that would probably be enough to compensate someone for this. Yeah, interesting. Like almost, I I love it actually, and and through that I'll be able to. It's it's mutually beneficial. I'll I'll be able to make them feel more confident about their situation, and then I'll also learn more information about their situation, so I can figure out more ways to add value. I really like yeah. that. Cool. Now I have a follow on that you might not like as much because it involves you catering to a type of person that you might find distasteful. But um, if you want to serve tech-savvy people who are using individual health insurance, a lot of these people are going to be people who like really fundamentally hate a free market for health insurance mm-hmm. um, because most millennials and Gen Z are going to be that way. So one way I could imagine positioning this is like y- you kind of saying this entire thing is a shit show and until we have universal health care, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you through it <laughs> basically. That's interesting positioning. Um, I I have a really hard time going political posi- with political positioning. Um, I think I can. I think I would like to find a positioning uh, message that rings true regardless of political affiliation. Rings to the problem. Well, regardless of what you, I I think a lot of people would say this isn't exactly political. Um, like first of all, whatever side of the aisle you're on, the universal healthcare is a very like political. Uh, phrase a, po- a politically charged it, phrase it's politically charged i guess every country in the world except us has it you um, are a liberal listen to you i know i know but i'm just saying <laughs> you could say this in a way that's not like taking a side so much as just being like this is a disaster everyone knows that it's pretty clear what direction it's heading in oh totally i totally yeah so <laughs> that's what that's exactly what i meant so positioning it like hey the, we're in this trans transition phase from private uh you know you know individually medical medically underwritten uh non-guaranteed issue policies to universal health care it, mm-hmm. it's it, there's no doubt that at some point we're gonna be in a situation for of some kind of medicare for all that being said, we don't know when. It could be five years. It could be ten years. It could be twenty years. In the meantime, we're here to be your, uh, your, your personalized HR person. Right. Exactly. And this has a lot of parallels to the less annoying CRM branding, which is like 
I think any business can do this where you're basically picking a fight with the status quo. Um, you can do it in a more or less political way, but basically saying people, everybody hates the healthcare system in America. So you're going to like get them on your side immediately if you kind of make that your rallying call, I think. I totally agree. I, well, I'm i hesitant on some of this stuff because I went too far at Zane Benefits back in the <laughs> mm-hmm. day calling, I think one of our phrases was group health insurance is evil. <laughs> Which you yeah. know most people don't agree with that right. statement. Um, so I think there's a balance if you do that. There's a balance between, uh, s- you know, speaking to really making the status quo players and uh, the people who like the status quo not feel like they're evil. It depends. Though. The reason you ran into that problem at Zane Benefits and People Keep is because like you were being regulated by the insurance commissioner of various states. Less knowing CRM picks this fight, we don't do anything to make the status quo people feel comfortable because fuck them. Like they have absolutely no power over us. Hmm, interesting. Maybe you'll, I mean, you're in a regulated industry now, so maybe you'll have that problem again. But And, and the other interesting thing here is I'm not, this isn't like a, a major zero to one thing where Zane Benefits was, hey, we're going to totally change the way you think about employee health mm-hmm. benefits. Um, this is more of a, Hey, this is what you got on group health insurance. You're already on individual health insurance, and this is a a new way of doing individual health insurance within yeah. the same framework. It's not like zero yeah. to one. It's just a slight improvement. Yeah. Okay. Let's. Uh, I, I think this is all really interesting, but let's get back to getting beta users here. So let's say you find a way to position yourself. You can go out and just meet people one at a time. Maybe you reach out to people on LinkedIn. Ask your network for, hey, do you know anyone that has individual health insurance? This to me, though, feels like just good old something like sales, basically. Yeah, I'm not worried about that. Um, I guess uh, my plan would be reach out to a lot of my former coworkers um, Mm -hmm. because I know that the people who work at uh, PeopleKeep do not offer health insurance. I I could also find uh, some people who work for companies. If I can find a couple Mm -hmm. people who work for different companies and have their own health insurance, it's likely that their coworkers probably also don't have health insurance? Yeah, I bet it wouldn't be that hard to figure out what companies in Utah don't have health insurance, like big employers around you, and then just- Go after yeah. them. Yeah, go, go on LinkedIn, LinkedIn and say who works there. Um, the, the the other side of this I referenced earlier, like, do you do you want to- Yeah, I just ahead. It's funny, I keep writing things down. And yeah, you don't I, need to. I don't need to. <laughs> um, do you think that building an audience is a part of what we're talking about here? Or is that kind of like future marketing that is unrelated to the beta test? I think one objective, I think building the, the size of audience does not matter. But I want, if I do this the right way, success looks like, you know, 20 to 25 people by maybe end of March next year who are huge advocates for what we're doing, evangelists for the problem um, and actively like trying to identify new participants, new people to join the community in terms of referrals Mm -hmm. or helping me improve the software. Okay. But if if that's by March having 25 of those, I think you can remove even another thing from your list for right now, which is you were kind of saying you want a way for people to be able to put their email in, get on the, the wait list, and then you'd have some system for figuring it out. To me, if if your goal is in the next five months to have 25 people, you don't even need to build this sign-up process at all, I don't think. 
Uh, you can just, you'll meet each person one-on-one and then when they're ready, you'll say, hey, I just created an account for you. Like a password reset link just got emailed to you. That'll let you log in. I can't argue with you. <laughs> now there's a reason to do that other thing, which is if you're trying to market for past the beta period, but I, it, and I'm not saying you shouldn't, but, but that's, that's almost the, a different thing. Yeah, that, that's the, I think that's the key. Um, I am, I know there's sort of two things I need to test with this business. One is, can I provide enough value for someone to switch their broker of record to me? And then the second is, can you know, can I find enough people mm-hmm. profitably enough, profitably, uh, and can, can I acquire users profitably? And I think with with this type of of business, if you're not, te- if you're, if I focus exclusively on product value, I'm going to be in a tough place come March when I try to grow this. So there is, I think for me in this business, because it's not going to be a sales driven business, it's going to be highly a marketing word of mouth driven business. There's probably worth putting some, some amount of time into testing some, uh, word of mouth efforts. I, okay. So I agree with word of mouth. There's a different type of marketing that I feel like you you use successfully in the past, which is things like blogging and like content, like building a newsletter. And the more I think about it, the more I think that won't work very well here for the same reasons it doesn't work with less knowing CRM, which is no one Googles CRM stuff. Like no one's like, I want to be on a newsletter getting CRM tips every month. Like nobody, individuals especially are not interested in reading about health insurance unless they're in the process of buying health insurance, I think. Yeah, I think it's going to be heavily driven by referrals. Uh, if I, I've, I think for this to work, I've got to figure out a multiply user multiplication formula where you know one, getting one user equals more users. Yeah, but you can't do that until you have some. So once again, I think that's really valuable. But I would just completely put that out of your mind until you've got twenty people, and then say, well, okay, now, and and once again, you might learn something that's like you, you may pivot entirely at which point any investment you put in here would be a waste of time. Yeah, I think you're right. It's probably best to just focus on uh, designing the program and recruiting users uh, so that I feel good that I have a solid 20 to 25 ASAP and then start working on delivering value. Yeah. Um, and if so I, let's move to that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, cause, cause there were kind of two parts. You said there's two parts. This one is getting the users. And I don't think we've said anything particularly insightful here, except Strip away all that stuff you thought you had to do and just go out and talk to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the second thing that you said was once you have these beta users, how do you run the actual beta program to make sure they're engaged and happy and getting value and all that? So what's your product going to do a month from now? You'll be able to log on. Uh, you'll be able to chat with me. Uh, you'll be able to enter your insurance policy information individually for each policy, and then I will ha- I will provide some minimal level of information back to you about that, whether it's plan information or uh, you know sp- specific details around utilization. I don't know yet, but some amount of information, um, and then probably some sort of monthly. Uh, summary email of whether you've anything's changed with your health insurance. Okay. Um, so basically something like showing someone how much of their deductible they've used is the value that the software itself will provide. 
And then probably most of the value here has to come from you as a service. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, so maybe it's uh, it's probably going to be con- part of it's going to be just one to many content um, or one to one content that's uh, in an email format, whether it's that's a, a, a notification, a chat window when they log in or a newsletter type email um, and then in person or over the phone slash video chat conversations. Mm-hmm. And I'd probably I mean, if I were you, I would start this with like all in person um, specifically because like you're going to find out. I, I've had this experience with employees here at Lessening Serum. I've talked about health insurance with people because we didn't used to have it until earlier this year. And talking to people, you you find patterns where, for example, a, a number of people thought uh, that they potentially would not be able to get individual health insurance due to pre-existing conditions, which I my understanding is that's like a total misunderstanding that everybody uh, now can get health insurance. I bet you'll talk to people and have five conversations and be like, they are all confused about the exact same things. Yeah, and I, I totally agree. So that's like the base. That's what I would launch with, what I just described to you, to you. Then I have a lot of ideas that to expand on value that I don't feel comfortable launching with until I talk to people mm-hmm. and get some feedback yeah. on that initial thing. Education is a huge part. The, the whole idea of like, hey, we're going to, you know, right when you start with us, you may not know anything about health insurance, but Next year, we're going to be give you the ability to fire us and never need to hire, never need to use a broker again, mm-hmm. because of we're going to we're going to empower you through education and support. Yeah, how to do that? I don't know. So, from a product standpoint, I would make it so they need to enter their insurance information, just because that's like a hurdle that if they won't pass it, even if you provide no value to them, it's like thanks for your insurance information, goodbye. Um, it's a way to validate that like they're willing to put in that level of effort. But beyond that, I think your beta program is just one-on-one conversations with people for your first five to 10. Do you agree with that? Uh, I guess I don't understand the difference between what I said and what you said. I'm just kind of saying it again, I guess, but like, I, I, if, if, if you're saying the same thing, if you're saying something different, I don't follow the, the nuance to what you just said. Sorry, I'm what what I'm referencing is back to the product side. Okay. That um, earlier in this conversation, we were kind of saying like, you know, how much time do you focus on product development versus this and that? If you want to spend time learning no code and stuff like that, go for it. But I think that the you could in theory run this entire beta program with no product. Um, That's the point you're making. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when you say no product, I don't understand. I, I, you mean no software? I think there's a spectrum between product and service. And I think you're, uh, you can offer personal service and not like to me, a product is something that is manufactured or created and then like sold as a packaged thing. Mm. Um, so it could be software, it could be a physical product, but like what you're validating is how much value do you provide by having a conversation with somebody? Yeah. I, I don't, I, that's not what I'm validating. Um, actually I, it's, I'm validating that um, someone I can through a conversation with someone, get them to enter in their health insurance policy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I can turn that into that some sort of valuable insight to them. Okay. That's like the, core. I haven't That's heard the core. it yet, I guess. Like it'd be kind of nice to be able to see your deductible somewhere, but 
as a consumer for me, the reason I sign up for this is because I get to talk to Rick. Yeah, but that's like not, I, that's not, I understand that that might be why they sign up as a beta program, but that I just, I, I'm disagreeing with not that that's maybe why they're signing, signing up initially, but that's not what I'm testing. Like I'm pretty confident that I could sell my time uh, for free to, you know, I don't. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. So I guess but, I, my, the, the nuance here is I, you know, if, one thing I want to test is, can I get them to enter in their policy information online without me helping mm-hmm. them um, just because they're you know willing to help me out or uh, you know get access to me? And then two, the thing I'm going to test after that is, okay, I've got all this data because of the information they gave me. How can I mix this together in a way that adds value? And that's probably going to be driven a lot based on working with the data and testing different things and then conversations with those five people. Okay. Do you disagree with that? Uh, No, I don't disagree with that. I guess. Yeah. I think, I think we're just saying the same thing in different ways. Okay, cool. Cool. Like there's a lot you don't know yet that you will find out from these conversations and then you'll build a product based on that. Yes. And I I do believe that like the, the thing that would have me walk away from this, uh, you know, is if I can't leverage software and data in some way to do something unique, uh, in, you know, outside of after the enrollment period, I'm probably going to walk away from this. So mm-hmm. that's like, that's the key element that I need to figure out. And if I can't, then I can't. And if I can, then I'm excited. Well, so, okay. That, that gives you like a really, really specific goal. Like it, we're calling this a beta test, but I, I guess part of what I'm getting at is you're still like half, you're, it's half beta test, half still customer interviews, I think. And the key thing from the customer interview is what, yeah, what what value can you provide? Maybe just showing someone their deductible with a better website is enough, but maybe you need something way beyond that. That like you don't have access to the data. You don't. Maybe you do, but no code can't get you there. I think th- I think that uh, for this particular situation, I think you're absolutely right. I think this is. Hey, I'm just going and do customer customer interviews at this point. Is it going to tell me anything? I already. I don't already know. I need to do. I need to do those customer interviews um, with a, you know, while offering something to see and learn from the offering because mm-hmm. that is what I need to. Yeah, totally agree. It's a combination of customer interviews and and a. I don't even want to call it a beta, but I guess it is a beta because by definition yeah. it's a beta. Um, it's basically like using a beta assisted with customer interviews uh, to to quickly iterate that beta into something of value or to give up. Yeah. Great. Um, cool. That's helpful. So, yeah. I wonder like, so maybe we should do takeaways, but in this case, I'm also interested in pulling back and saying, what can someone else like who's not in your exact situation take away from this? Because a lot of this was very specific to you, which is good, but like, does that sound like a good plan to do well, takeaways? And there's that? one thing that I think one direct question I want to ask you, we've kind of danced around it. And I think I know the answer that you're going to bring is how structured should your data, pro- your beta program be? Um, how structured mm-hmm. should your beta program be? Do, do you, do you feel, I get the impression that you feel it should be pretty unstructured. Like, I think at first it should be okay. Like, do, do you know the company superhuman? No, they're an email program. It's like, $30 a month to get basically an email client that connects to Gmail. And they require every single per- they, they've been around for a few years. I don't know how long, but like a long time. And they still require every new customer to call them up and walk like it's almost like a beta program, even though they're like this really high growth startup at this point. If you hit this point where you've got a product, you you have product market fit, but you're still beta testing, at that point having structure, I'm not opposed to it in general. 
But I'm just saying you're so early on here. Every piece of uh, effort you put in that hasn't been validated by a customer interview is potentially wasted effort. Okay. So I, I think um, uh, that answers a, that question. So starting out, it's as, is as little, you need to start out with as little structure as possible and then iterate your way to structure as structure adds scalability on something that works. Mm-hmm. Um, another question was what we, we kind of covered this, but what, when is the um, right time to start recruiting beta users? And it sounds like as soon as you're past the point of just general idea validation and you need to get some uh, value proposition, uh, use case, uh, feedback. Yeah. And I think if you're do- if what you're doing is pure product, like what I was doing with lessening CRM, it was just a product. There's no service element to it at all. You kind of need the product before it's worth finding a beta tester. If what, if it's more like what you're doing, which is a hybrid, at least to start the earlier you can go, the better, because you can start offering that service, even if you don't have the product ready. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So the prioritized service approach to MVPs, allow a quicker, um, tra- a, a, a much lighter product in a beta mm-hmm. program. Yeah. I think the question for the beta test, like to generalize that, when can you provide value to somebody? Uh, if you've just like spent a weekend hacking together some software product, it's probably not valuable yet, but as soon as you can offer anything to anybody, get it out there and start testing it with real users. Yep. Yep. Um, I, the other question is how to find beta users. Uh, for my case, it's probably going to come from my immediate network, just given how much time I've spent in the space. Uh, but it seems like net, you know, generally networking is the best approach. And if you can't do it with networking, you're probably not networking enough. Um, it's going to be really hard. Would you have any other suggestions for getting initial beta users if uh, the network can't supply them? Well, I didn't do it with networking because I'm I'm terrible at that. Uh, I think the the big thing is, so I used Google AdWords. This was 10 years ago, so maybe things have changed. But the key is I paid probably $1,000 for the first like person who would talk to me on the phone. Um, you can go out and use traditional marketing channels to find people who might be beta testers, but you have to go into it expecting an incredibly high investment, whether it's in time or money or whatever, because your pitch isn't refined yet. Your product isn't refined yet. You don't even know who to target. So you like traditional marketing works. It's just you have to bring in a ton of people at the top of the funnel to get one actual good early adopter. Whereas if you do it in person and you know someone, you could really qualify them. Yeah. If, if you can do what you're doing, do it. If you can't, uh, either because you just won't or you're the, it doesn't work with your product or whatever, there are other options, I think. Yeah, and it, but it requires higher numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. And then... Uh, we talked about this a little bit, uh, but not as you know, not clearly. Uh, how to get the most uh, out of out of beta users? The suggestion, I two suggestions I took away that I'm going to apply are swag um, and uh, definitely what I would call um, you know just basically spending time one on one and leveraging my uh, my service to spend time with them you know, to get the service I provide actually re- will result in more information. So basically giving service free services. Yeah. And I'll add a third one here, which is like, let them in on the the journey a little bit. The people who do beta tests, a lot of the times they do it because they're like, they, they see some big potential. You said you're going to start with the why, like really get people on board with the mission, the reason you're doing it. The more you can let them in and not just tell them why you're doing it, but make them feel like they're contributing to it the more engaged they'll be, I think. Totally agree. Uh, that one is a, is key. Uh, 
Um, mm -hmm. And then uh, we kind of we kind of poo pooed incentivizing users outside of swag because the you know the negative consequences of having you know the incentive be the primary motivator versus what we just talked about them caring about the why, um, right. caring about the brand, um, you know them you know actually getting value out of whatever service you're providing. Yeah, it almost cheapens it. Like if they are, if they do believe in the why, and you give them a hundred dollars, they'd be like, "Is that all this is worth?" Like. <laughs> Is, is am I just a mercenary here, and I'm not really a partner with you here? So yeah, totally, totally changes the the, the dynamic. Um, okay, well, I think uh, did you have any other takeaways? Um, no, I th I think that seems pretty good. Cool. Um, well, I appreciate it. I uh, I obviously had a lot of notes that I was taking unnecessarily, so I'm I'm actually going to get a lot of value out of this. Uh, I, I'll go ahead and sign us off. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. You can join this conversation uh, on uh, startuptolast.com. Uh, you can also visit previous conversations. You're crushing it, Rick. What's that? <laughs> You're crushing it. I'm crushing it. Yeah. Uh, I, this is my, I'm going to let you sign us off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Anyway, sorry. I didn't mean to be a backseat driver here. Uh, yeah. Startuptolast.com. Say hi. Talk to us. Uh, tell your friends. Go rate us on iTunes. All that stuff. <laughs> See you, man. All right. Bye.